Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pixelated Podcast. I'm Patrick Reif. And I'm Alex McGlynn. And today we're going to talk about five key elements to execute a hybrid event. And by hybrid event, or key elements, or the hinge, whatever, the hinge, hinging on the winch. So what we're talking about here, sorry, we're, we, we're, this is such a new thing that we've been, we've been really kind of going back and forth to figure out like, how do you discuss it? What are we talking about? What does this even mean? And the, uh, the analogy that we keep coming up with is talking about uh, a hinge. And the hinge being the, the crossover touch point between uh, attendees that are coming to your event virtually and attendees that are coming to your event in real life. So arguably, they're very different attendees and uh, there's gonna be a variety of things that are very different about them. Um, but then there's also gonna be places that, uh, that they cross over and it's very, critical if it's actually a hybrid event, right? If it's not, you know, conducting an in real life event and a virtual event and not having them touch together, there's no hinge. But if it's a hybrid event, the idea is that they, they lay over top of one another and they make sense and they complement one another. So when we're talking about the hinge through this episode and heretofore into the future until we decide to rename the hinge something that is more relevant or makes more sense. That's what we're talking about. The hinge is, is the buckle where your, your online event and your offline event overlap with one another and how you can make those places make sense. It's funny because I actually think we're talking about the linchpin. Isn't that the pin that pulls, puts the two hinges together? Yeah, or, or, the, the, or the fulcrum. The fulcrum. Oh, and that's interesting. Yeah, we're we're going to keep calling it the hinge though because it's easier to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, so the hinge, hinge. Uh, so first up, and this is really important because they're not the same, define the difference between virtual versus in real life attendees. A recipe for disaster is to try and treat these two groups of people like they are going to be the same. It does not work. It's not going to work. It never will work. Someone who's having a virtual experience, and unless VR comes a really, 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 really far away, which it's not right now, uh, is going to have a very different experience than someone who's there, boots on the ground in real life. Again, so when you're thinking about your run of show, when you're putting your agenda together, when you're thinking about the strategy for your event, Make sure you keep reminding yourself that there are two very different groups of people that will be attending this event. And I think that's gonna make them different is the way that they're interacting with the event and they're interacting with the materials and the speakers and the... Uh, all the things. All the things. I mean, what are, it doesn't matter what it is you're setting up. I mean, you can have virtual happy hours and in real life happy hours. But like, again, they have to be different because they're not the same. Just inherently, they're not. They require different tools, they require different programming, and they require different strategies. So define what the difference is going to be between the two and what I mean by that is what are your goals for virtual? What are your goals for in real life? What do you want those two groups to get out of it? What do you want to be the same? And what do you, what do you want to be purposefully different? Um, and if you move forward with that strategy, it will become much easier, much clearer to you about what needs to happen. And also, I just need to say this straight from the jump, doing a hybrid event well is going to be difficult because you are for all intents and purposes, creating two thirds of yeah. you're creating two thirds of an event and two thirds of another event, and then you're hopefully merging the two a little bit to make sure that there's a, a whole event for everybody. Yeah, but the reality is, is that the the, the borrowable assets are they're not going to be as plentiful as you would like them to be. You know, like just I mean, think hard about this. You know. Somebody buys a ticket to the virtual event, somebody buys a ticket to the in real life event. Those are whole different email marketing cadences between the point of purchase 
all the way to the post event wrap. Like you're asking them different questions, you're giving them different instructions about how to show up and what they need to do. And, and that is literally just the email marketing cadence, which is to say nothing about the social retargeting ads. Like all of that stuff is dynamically different. I mean, building your cohorts about who you're gonna market which to, all of it is completely different. So you really need to like, don't, don't it's like spare no expense when it comes to thinking through what all of that means because the more thought process you put into it, like own the hard work up front, don't, don't look past it and then have, um, have yourself woefully unprepared for, for what the task at hand is or just don't do a hybrid event. Um, but if you're gonna do a hybrid event, like be prepared to put the work in because there's gonna be a lot of work. Um, so uh, that was, you started off, that was yeah. number one. So uh, number two is like come up with engagement strategies for both of the audiences. So, you know, knowing, given what I just said, um, engagement is gonna look very different for people that are attending uh, in real life than people that are coming in virtually. And like that can mean something as simple as uh, like the live band, if I'm standing in a room with a drummer and, and, and a bass player and a guitar player and a killer singer and they're doing like Otis Redding songs and they're crushing it, like it's gonna hit me right here. Like the audio, like it just doesn't hit the same on a Zoom call, like it just doesn't. No matter how much, it's gonna take a minute before it feels like you're at a Bon Jovi concert like through the zoom window. So you've got to think about those things in the same way. Uh, someone that's attending virtually that you're throwing up really fun, uh, whatever, like a pixie web experience or like some kind of cool virtual survey or you're gamifying something like it's going to be easier for them to do that because they've got idle time to be able to do those things. Whereas the person that's there in real life, like they may not want to scan your QR code and sit there and look at their phone because Bon Jovi is playing in the other room. So think about that a lot when it comes to your engagement strategies, like what you want to engage them with, like what the index of that engagement looks like, gonna to be totally different for each audience. Uh, and they can both be great, but only if you put the thought into it. Couldn't agree more. I also can't wait to go to the first uh, event that Pat plans where we have an Otis Redding cutting cover band and uh, Bon Jovi in the other room. Yeah. Wild times at yeah. Patrick Rife's event. Yeah. I'm not a big Bon Jovi fan actually, so I might swap that out for someone else. <laughs> Sorry, John. But we're halfway there. Uh, wrong band. He seems cool, but... He seems cool. Whatever. It doesn't matter. You don't have to play his music. Yeah. You wouldn't either. Yeah. Pat's got a very eclectic music taste. You should, hear the, you should hear the things that are played in our office. They're fantastic, but they are... Not living on a prayer. No, no, they're not. We're not halfway there. Uh, all right, actually, we are halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, so find your hinge or your, your fulcrum or your linchpin moments. Find the things that are going to be really important to both your virtual and your in real life audiences. Again, a lot of things have to be different. Some things have to be the same. If you have a really big, important keynote speaker or your entire conference is built around one general idea or you're trying it's a learning conference and you want everyone to have the same types of takeaways, you have to make sure that those events that are geared towards uh, those ends are really impactful and kind of the same for both groups. So. Obviously when we're talking about entertainment and things like that and kind of the other things that make in-person conferences fun and virtual conferences fun, those can kind of be unique to the audience. When we're talking about the overarching uh, goal for the event, those things need to be the same for both the virtual and in-person attendees and you need to do your best, uh, put your best effort forward to make sure that uh, both audiences have that kind of same 
takeaway and the same impact on them as an event attendee. So again, making sure that if it's a learning conference, everyone has access to the same materials, they're being presented in the same ways. They don't have to be presented at the same time, they could be presented over different mediums, but they need to be presented in the same way, and again, they need to be given the same amount of access uh, and uh, the same amount of attention to detail on both sides, so that those hinge moments, um, those things that make the conference impactful for everyone are the same as much as they can be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so next up on the list uh, would be determining, and, and it kind of harkens back a bit to, to the, the first point, which is you know like figuring out the difference between your virtual and your in real life attendees. But um, determining your, your your KPIs, your key performance indicators, uh, and and your goals for each of those groups, uh, and and that's also going to help you really understand the ROI of each attendee. So stands to reason, a person that is attending virtually versus a person that is attending and showing up in real life, uh, their their ticket cost is very very different. Uh, probably their, uh, their their average value to the organization is probably very different. Um, and knowing if they have come from a place of previously being an in real life attendee and their value was greater or vice versa, whether they're moving into it, um, you're going to really want to make sure that you map all that stuff out in advance because it's very important that after any successful event um, where you set yourself up for success, you've, uh, you've captured uh, a, a appropriate data Data that maps to all of the kind of touch points that you hope to see each person take. You need to study that, right? You need to look at it, you need to read it, and make sure that you're accomplishing uh, and you're optimizing for the best experience, the best return, whatever the case may be for each of those individual attendees. And the only way that you're gonna do that, again, is making sure that you're considering them as two completely separate cohorts. And one very empowering way to do that is to say, okay, I want this type of person to do this, this, and this, and we'll know we did it if we see them do this, this, and this and the same thing for the other set of people. 100% and this actually blends really well into the last point which is your post-event follow-up strategy. So you're basically gonna have five kinds of people you're following up with here. You're gonna have people who used to come to your audio, your conference or event that didn't this year for whatever reason. Maybe it's COVID, maybe it's something else. Uh, you're gonna have people who came to your in-person event for the first time, people who came to your event for the first time in a virtual way, um, people who used to come in person who are now coming virtually, and then your regulars who were there last year and they're gonna be there this year in person. All five of those people need different strategies implemented for them. If someone just didn't come at all, you need to reach out to that person. One, make sure they're okay, make sure that you know they're still making it through this, be a resource to them, um, be a human, if you will, uh, and try to get them to come back next year. For your in-person people, making sure that they had a good experience. If it's the first time, making sure you're asking them for their opinions, getting follow-up. And on the virtual side, learning what you could do better. Because again, virtual, uh, virtual hybrid events aren't going anywhere. Uh, once people see the value of being able to attend a conference with, uh, without having to leave the state, or incur a bunch of travel costs, or incur the high price of in-person uh, tickets, uh, I think they're gonna start demanding that these things become a more regular strategy. Um, a regular part of conferences, so you need to make sure that you're touching all five of those different groups or different cohorts uh, in a thoughtful way uh, and making sure that you're getting the most out of your interactions with them after the event has occurred. Yeah.
Awesome. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. If you would please, before you go, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Your reviews help us find more listeners for our podcast, and your subscription helps us notify you each day when we publish a new episode. So without further ado, I'm Patrick Reif. And I'm Alex Glenn. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace.